We are back with episode 48. This is Jared Sampson. I'm Steve. And we are again joined by our uh, constant, inconsistent co-host, Claire Sampson. How are you doing, Claire? I'm good. How are you? Good. Really excited for your guys' show you're going to be recording this weekend. Me too. I'm let's super just, stoked. Let's just jump the entire show and start right off with promotion. So what do you got going on this weekend? Um, we are going to do a special uh, battle of love on our uh, podcast where we're going to have a um, a bro couple. So a bromance. A bromance. A bestie couple. Nice. And a breeder couple. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. And we're going to make them battle it out to find out who, who who's dominant. So is this like in the, in the vein of the two-year anniversary show of You're Going to Get a Disease? Is I mean, is that... Um, a little bit of a episode Newlyweds Episode 100, game? I mean. It's definitely going to be a Newlyweds game, only it's not going to be biased. <laughs> you're trying to say that, that You're Going to Get a Disease might skewed the game to, to their... I don't think they intentionally skewed the game, but oh, no, it, was it was totally skewed. <laughs> yeah. um, the fact that Adam and Ronnie rocked it out as much as they did was like, ha, face. See, I think it was reverse racist, because the only two people that won the game were the two non-white people in the room. Fair enough. Wow. <laughs> Still. No, super excited about it. I think we'll cool. have a good show, kind of. We're trying to be uh, true to our word and do a monthly show. That's good. You guys been on it so far? We uh, made January by January 31st. <laughs> <laughs> Still counts. <laughs> Still counts. No, we made it in January, so this is our February show. We we have had this plan in place since we recorded the January show, like mid-January. I remember you guys talking about it. That's cool. Uh, yeah, so, and, and I started putting up the stuff today, so it only took like a month for well, us to get moving. Good news is you have like 13 days left. Yeah, right? You gotta keep it fresh. You gotta... Can't let it get stale. You can't let it get stale. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? You shouldn't let unexplained situations throw you. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. <laughs> You're welcome. We just ate some delicious Chinese food for like the third time this week because we're filth monsters. Uh-huh. And uh, it was delicious, so I'm not sorry for that at all. It was only my first time this week. Yeah, hey, good. Good job, Steve. I'm just eating a fortune cookie. That's only because, mainly because there's no good uh, Chinese restaurants near my house. Fair enough. What's that port? Drink more of you. Okay. Speaking of that, Steve, what are you drinking this evening? Since this is your uh, weekly, bi-weekly, semi-inconsistent weekly drinking show, what you you got going, man? Uh, This is uh, some Tawny Port 10-year-old. That's excellent. So good. It's got that got that pruny grape flavor, raisiny deliciousness to it. I love it. I don't it. know where you get raisins out of here. You it's don't just, know where I get raisins out of that? It's just what, it tastes like raisins? It doesn't. Delicious is what it is. And I love port. Ergo, you're wrong. Well, fair enough. I decided to do a Rock the Gentleman Jack tonight, at least until I get bored with it and steal some of your tawny port. I'm eating fortune cookies. <laughs> you, better, you better hurry. <laughs> I better get on it. So, Steve, what you been up to, man? How's uh, I know it's been... We've been pretty inconsistent. We've both been kind of busy doing shit. Um, but what you been up to, man? Oh, same old, same old. Uh, helping my dad build his aquarium. That's been really fun, helping him build the stand for his aquarium. Uh, I'm apparently color coordinator for the tank because he asked <laughs> me uh, where to put various plants and things like that for proper visual flow, which was amazing. Man, nice. So that are you was, just using plants from the other tanks that he has the plants from? Or are you guys no, getting? He, he's bought some new ones. This one is noticeably taller than the other plants because or the other tanks because it's so narrow and tall as opposed to wide like the twenty five gallon is. Okay. So we had to get some specific 
uh, things that were taller and narrower as opposed to a lot of aquatic plants tend to spread out and stay low. Okay, cool, man. So I've only been kind of like dealing with work and school lately. I've doubled up on classes right now. It's been kind of really crazy for me. I hate the class that I'm in. I hate the people that are in it. And the teacher drives me insane. He's a nice enough teacher. And if he ever hears this, God bless him. But this class is driving me absolutely batshit crazy. And it's driving me crazy by proxy. I figured as much. I'm usually, I, I tend to think that I'm usually pretty even keel, rock solid. So when I start getting emotionally <laughs> upset about things. Are you going to be all right? She holding the cock? Did the Trisket commercial get you? No. Even keeled. Well... Fair enough. Not emotional. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. If you've ever played a game with you. Yeah, true. Fair enough. Have you met you? <laughs> I know, but have you met you? Because I don't think you have. Hunter the Hungry is going to eat. So, Steve, you and I did something last Saturday that I don't believe you've ever done before. And it's not anal. Where to go with that? So, proceed. <laughs> so, you decided to join our little nerd gaming group that Summer was so nice to post up on Facebook saying the cast of Stranger Things, like, as adults. What did you think of the game? Uh, I thought it was fun. It was uh, it was a nice change of pace from what we normally do. So, that was something new, something different. Do you think it's something you're going to do again? Is something you want to join the main campaign or at least be invited to have the option? Or I wouldn't mind having the option. It's a little slow for me right but uh other than that yeah it was fine the thing you'll find oh, so what what we did last saturday is uh we played a game Nerded. called we played a game called uh, titan's grave which is written by will wheaton and based off of the fantasy age uh pen and paper role-playing game and we had myself steve and ken rolled up new characters and went off on a went off on a little secret stealth mission that didn't turn out very secretary or stealthy. Oh, and whose fault was that, Jared? Mine. But I'm so even keel. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. I, I mean, we started around 5 o'clock at night, and we finally finished up that portion of the campaign around 1.30 in the morning. I fell asleep. As clear as I want to do. <laughs> Summer fell asleep too, though. And it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> we went upstairs. Glad you ladies had fun. We went upstairs, put on Chopped. And like <laughs> the ghost bed, it gets you every time. Absolutely, that's what they call it. <laughs> that's what they're calling it now. It is. So, uh, for any of you that have played D anD D back in the day or currently, like Luke, yeah, it's a lot like that. It's similar, but I just I just enjoy being able to sit around with a group. Like it's kind of like doing podcasts, in my opinion. You're sitting around with a bunch of guys having a good time, or girls, or whoever, just like your group of friends. And just having a good time and playing in this fantasy world. Like, in this fantasy world right now, we're, we're, we're radio hosts. We're doing our show. We're doing our thing. We're talking about stuff. In that game, you get to be whatever you want. So I, I, I really dig it. It was a lot of fun having you here. I, I've been wanting to try to get you to play that for a while, especially since you started playing World of Warcraft and everything and, and kind of how you got into that. I figured you would dig something like this and play role-play your character very well, which you did. So I, I hope to have you join us at least in the future at some point. I think I chose wisely. I went out for sushi. And then went to bed. <laughs> I made cookies, too. Yes, you did. You made delicious cookies that I ate mm-hmm. after I drank everything that night. 
So it leads me into one of my topics tonight, Steve. Okay. doesn't lead me very well, but I'm here now. Switching gears like grinding coffee? Absolutely. But in the same fantasy realm, you recommended a show to me and Claire last Friday that we have binge-watched to catch up on 13 episodes of, and that's called The Magicians. Yes. So The Magicians is a show on sci-fi that is currently on Netflix for season one. And season two is on demand. Is on demand. And season one on Netflix has five stars. It's not a gold five stars, but it has five stars on it. So to me, to have a sci-fi as an SYFY network show yeah, have like, five stars on I, Netflix. I saw, I saw that. In, it's been in my in my recommended, recommended for you list for a couple of weeks at least. And I was like, I'm not watching this sci-fi channel Sharknado garbage. <laughs> and then I was bored one night and I was like, oh, this could be bad enough that it'll be good. And, you know, four episodes later, I was like, son of a bitch. Now we're in. Yep. It's very pretty. It's got a lot of visual yes. prettiness to it. Uh, I thought you were talking about the blonde. No. Oh, Alice doesn't do it for me. Oh, she needs horror. like a styler. If she had a styler, like everything they put her in is made to look a certain way, and I just I don't like. She could look so much better, um, especially when you. Put I like her... the Hedgewitch leader. <laughs> of course, you. Mm. Um, I like Katie. Oh yeah, yeah. Katie is. And um, even like Julian Katie's style is really neat. Mm-hmm. But then you throw in like I get what they're doing with Alice's style. The They're blonde. trying to make the super hot girl look nerdy. Exactly. They're yeah. failing because yeah. she's still super hot. Well, because everything right. they have her in makes her look... Sta- They're trying to make her look nerdy, but sexy nerdy. And I wish they would go more all along the lines of, um, like, Arrow. Mm-hmm. With, with what oh, they've done with her face. Yeah. You know, where you still get the nerdy, but at the same time... She's smoking hot. She's smoking hot. As opposed to this, like, forcing it, because it just makes her We're going to put her in a sweather and with no neckline. The weirdest bra That holds her breasts Like, that's fantastic. really what bothers me, is they have her in, like, basically, like, a push-up bra, and you can tell. Yeah, it bothers me, too. Um, well, no, it just... It, it, just, it does something funny to her shape. I mean, they still look nice, don't get me wrong, but, like, <laughs> it's just... She looks off-kilter. So yeah. Yeah. The, one of the things I like about watching it on Netflix is obviously it you get the director's cut version of it. Yeah, there is all kinds of no ass way. and swearing. That was no way that was on sci-fi channel. No, <laughs> no, no, not even close. Yeah, there's a lot of bombs and stuff, like a lot yeah. of swearing. So who's your favorite character in it? Um, I gotta go with uh, it's probably Alice right now. Really? Okay. Just, yeah. Cool. Like the the main dude. Have you watched the fir- full first season? Have you started season two? Of no. I okay. Neither neither have we. Okay. Yeah. The the I main. Know what we're doing later. Yeah. The main dude just kind of yeah. gets on my nerves. So he yeah, Quentin. Kinda, yeah. I was wondering how you're going to feel about him. Yeah. Like I mean, does, I mean obviously, guys, we're not going to give any spoilers because it's actually it it's only 13 episodes. It's 45 minutes an episode. It's worth your time. Watch it. Yeah, I mean, like, it's. You have everybody on the internet giving it a five star rating for the most part, so it's really worth your time. Yeah, like I, I get they want Q to be a super fanboy, but he's kind of a dick. Yeah, like well, a yeah. lot. I yeah. like that he's kind of awkward, and I think his like acting and physical choices play to that. And he hasn't really broken out of that. Like I was expecting, especially in some of the first episodes, that to get like fall to the wayside, but it feels like it's been consistent. I don't feel like he went from being like I'm nerdy and now I'm cool. I feel like he's kept that. That persona, mm. which I appreciate because right. somebody, especially because they do have, I'm going to throw this out there, I don't think he's that attractive, but he, they have him picked as this kind of hot guy, you know, like he's kind of buff, but at the same time, he's not playing it that way, nor is he morphed into that person. Yeah. He's still continuing to play this n- nerdy fanboy, 
and uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, like, I don't think I would have punched him in the face like that other guy did, but I probably would have told him to pump his brakes a couple of times. Yeah, I, my favorite character is Penny. Yeah, the the uh, teleporter. I, I think he's yeah, he's pretty cool. Second in love, Penny. Yeah, he's I, like I the love best his lines. I love his character. I didn't like his character very much right in the beginning because I didn't know where they were going with it. Mm-hmm. But as the season went on, about by episode six, I found myself really, really liking that character. I feel like a lot of the people that are in it are very devoted to their character. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. They're playing their character. Yeah, they, go for, they go for it. And the thing that they do in the show that I, that I really appreciate is that when a character's, like, physio- not physiology, but when, they're, when their demeanor and stuff change, like, a lot of times you can account that to bad writing or whatever. Mm-hmm. In this, they always give the reason behind it. Like, so you'll see a character just kind of take a, kind of like a mm-hmm. left hand or right hand turn, like, goes kind of 90 degrees to their normal right. character style. But they find a very good way to not just blatantly weave it in the story going, ah, oh, this person's mad now. Mm-hmm. They, they have a really good way of weaving all of the, like, yeah. you can yeah, tell that the story really is well written. Yeah. Because um, I it's also... A, there's an over... You can tell there's an overarching story. See, and I'm like corn because I love Penny, but I'm also... My other favorite would have to be um, Elliot and... Um, <laughs> oh, Elliot and Margo? And Margo. Yeah. Oh, my God. They're a tie because they kind of come as a yeah, duo. They're a, but yeah, but like Margo they're the wonder Elliot, fucking twins. Well. They are the wonder fucking twins and they're amazing. <laughs> I, I do appreciate that. And, you know, like... Would you rather bang Margo or Elliot? Ooh. Uh, uh, Margo. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I like that um, Margot has, again, the people have remained themselves. Like, mm-hmm. she's remained, sorry, I guess it's kind of a spoiler, but she's remained the bitch. Yeah. Just like Alice right. has remained the nerdy one. And though their characters are evolving, they're not straying from who their actual human self, who, who their core right. personality is. People right. change, but people don't change that much. Yeah. So, yep. so cool. I just kind of want to uh, recommend that as a, almost like a shout out to Om I just saw. But it's it's something that we all saw based on Steve's recommendation. He took the leap of faith first, mm-hmm. but damn it, it was good. I really recommend it. If you like, if people ask you what it is. So what we haven't told you what it is yet is basically it's Harry Potter, it's Hogwarts in college, but it's not Hermione, Harry, and Ron Scooby Dooing around fighting Voldemort. It's similar to that, but it's not. Yeah, there's mystical. Like there's that. some real obvious nods to Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. It's a love letter to the fantasy genre. Yeah, so exactly, and that, that's what I'm trying to say is like this is not a rip off of anything, but it's a it's definitely a send up to a lot of different. Yeah, and I think stylized portions it, of the genre. It's a lot like it reminds me a lot of Galaxy Quest, in where it's so yeah obviously yeah that's a by great else. that is a great analogy, <laughs> but it's done with so much it's care. A great analogy. It, it's done with so much care and with so much attention to detail that it stands apart from what it's an homage to. And I think that's really difficult to do, especially on the budget of, let's face it, a third-rate cable channel. Oh, yeah. this I mean, the fact that they're able to put... I mean, the, the best part is they don't use a lot of special effects for things. They don't right. use a lot of... Mm-hmm. A lot of this comes from the actor's chops and the writing, yeah. which, is, which is good. There's some cool magical things that happen, but... It's sci-fi, you know, sci-fi channel uh, graphical work, you know, yeah. CGI. But it doesn't look hokey because they don't try to do too much with it. Exactly. You know, so I think it works out really well. Yeah, it's it's very well grounded, and I I can't recommend it enough. I gave it five stars when I rated it. So did I. Well, I got to about episode ten, and I finally rated it. Mm-hmm. Because, there, you know, there's some lulls in the story and some where the fuck is this going 
I think the thing you find out with season one is that it's building the 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 solid basis yeah, for more seasons. It's giving a framework for sure. Um, so that brings me to one of our other favorite things, Steve. Jurassic Park. Hooray! I found this article popped up on my uh, Facebook feed, which I've been doing a lot less of lately. But I thought it was a great topic for you. So this this is on BuzzFeed, and it's written by Alfredo Murillo. And it's 25 questions about Jurassic Park that we have that we just have to address. Okay? We're going to quick hit this. Is this going to make me angry? I don't think so. I just want to hear your snap answers to these for the most part. <laughs> oh, okay? And if you want a tangent off, go ahead. But I just, I, I just kind of want to work through There's 25 of them. Okay? All right. So number one, <clears throat> isn't a goat too small a meal for a Tyrannosaurus Rex? Not necessarily. Uh, while predators can eat up to a third of their body weight in one sitting, a zoo animal is not going to eat that much because he simply doesn't have the room to maneuver and burn that off. Okay. And why didn't it eat the leg? Uh, probably because it couldn't really chew... So with the way that its jaws work, it probably would have just slipped off. Fair enough. Uh, Question three. Why were there so few employees in that park? Uh, Because it wasn't open yet. The the novel goes into it a little bit better, almost like um, in Deep Blue Sea where they had a skeleton crew going on that weekend. Okay. Uh, the simple answer is movie budget. In the novel, there was a lot more background activity oh, going okay. on as they were building the park and a lot more fatalities because of that uh, due to the nature of virgin CGI in addition to having uh, Stanwinson Studios build the fucking robotic dinosaurs. You didn't have a lot of room to have your ticket takers and maintenance people running around terrified, so you just had to eliminate the size of the cast. And I think they cover that really well in the scene where Hammond is talking to Ellie at the dinner table while they're eating ice cream. He's like, we cut, we put automation wherever we could in order to keep this primordial world as cut off from humanity as possible. Um, they really wanted to showcase the technology. Like when the book was written in the mid-80s, um, a lot of the stuff that, was put forward was to make the park as streamlined as possible because he was trying to spare no expense and make it as you know as as high tech and sci-fi as possible so that kind of works into it okay excellent question four what exactly is a mathematician supposed to contribute to this journey um ian malcolm is described uh, mostly in the novel. They touch on it basically uh, very quickly in the movie. He's a mathematician, so he uses predictive models to determine behavior. Okay. And they bring him in uh, because of his expertise on chaos theory. And chaos theory states that it's basically Murphy's Law on steroids. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Most people predict stuff based on things they know. If I take a cannon and I fire a shell that weighs a certain amount with a certain amount of gunpowder at a certain angle, it's going to land in a certain place. And if I take a cannon that's almost the same size and a cannonball that's almost the same weight and use almost the same amount of gunpowder and fire it at almost the same angle, the ball is going to land in almost the same place. Chaos theory brings into complex systems which are living systems, weather systems, things we don't understand, and applies an element to that model that cannot be predicted. So he's there as kind of the worst-case scenario guy. Okay. They brought him in because he was on the forefront of this, and they thought, oh, if we can sell this guy on it, it'll be huge publicity for us. What they didn't think of is him saying, you're fucking stupid, and burn this place to the ground right now. Gotcha. 
So people could go to the park and see nothing if the dinosaurs didn't bother to come to the fence. It's a zoo. <clears throat> if the cars drove themselves, what did they need steering wheels for? Uh, because they still have to adjust themselves on the track. Right, and coming from a the background that I'm from, just because you have automated systems doesn't mean that you eliminate manual it, it interaction. Could all, yeah, yes. it could also be a, a, a standby, you know, manual override type of system. Especially, too, for maintenance. You want to get them on and off the track for maintenance. It's easier if you can just yeah, drive them great off. answer. Exactly. Couldn't they do a better job on Mr. DNA considering that they created dinosaurs? Mr. DNA was awesome. Fuck off. Also agreed. How could Alan Grant carry a six-inch raptor claw in his pocket for a whole day and still have a leg? Because it's pet- it's petrified. It's yeah, not it's not sharp. It's not sharp anymore because it's been it's dulled fossil. over. It's I a agree with you. <laughs> Was it necessary for John Hammond to be in every single presentation at the park? Yes, because he created it. Agreed. How does Ellie expect to find anything in a five-foot-high pile of dung? She wasn't looking because for a needle. She's tenacious. <laughs> Fair enough. She was, she was just trying to see if there was anything she was trying do. to find the, yeah. the she wasn't looking for something specific she was looking for anything to, to explain right which, um, which fizzled out by the way they actually solved the problem in the I was gonna movie, say in the book, it looks uh, points do you remember what it was it was uh, lilac berries that were making the stegosaurs sick because they would forage around and they had to eat rocks to put in their gizzards and when they were eating the rocks they would accidentally pick up the berries which is why they only got sick every six weeks i thought it was something more to do with their cycle what why, why every six the, weeks because gizzards you have to replenish yeah the stega, oh, yeah the, you have as, to as the a reptile rocks. uses its gizzard and mm-hmm. wears the stones flat they regurgitate them that's why in the novel they were finding piles of smooth stones everywhere yeah. amidst the otherwise volcanic ground that was around I thought there. they were doing it in a, I thought they were looping and that it was more like just they were only getting sick at right. a certain point because that's when they, they're, they their would, feeding they cycle walk, they got back to the spot where they were there were 14 at. other questions to go through yeah they yeah. were walking around their habitat yeah. in a circle and when they got to the part where they would eat the stones oh, they would, they would get, gotcha. get the berries yeah. how the hell does the Dilophosaurus get into Dennis Nedry's car uh, because there were more than one excellent and how does a T-Rex get into the visitor center for the final scene? Does it duck to fit its head through the door frame? Obviously. No, because you can see in the background <clears throat> that there's just a big tarp covering up the entire wall of the building that's still under construction. Oh. Why didn't Tim climb in between the wires rather than over them? He clearly could have. He's obviously a stupid kid. Um, he also could not have fit through there. You could see his, he could fit his head through there. There's no way his shoulders were getting through there. There's those. a picture of him with his shoulders through. I disagree. I'm going to go stupid kid on this one. And also, shame on Alan Grant for not, you know, (laughs) giving that suggestion. Why didn't they go a little overboard with cooking if they were expecting only six guests? Why didn't they go a little overboard with cooking if they were only expecting six Uh, guests? This scene specifically is what they talk about, like, where the kid is eating all the puddings. My problem is, is people have been gone since the night before. (laughs) How was all that food suddenly there and still edible? Like, she's eating Mm Jell-O. Jell-O's sitting out for 14, 16, 18 hours. It is obviously 54 degrees inside that building, Claire. Duh. All right, they they cloned the dinosaurs by using blood extraction from mosquitoes, but how the hell did they make the plants? Mm. All right, fair enough. Uh, Fossilized seeds? (laughs) They could have done that. Um, Again, going back to to the canon of the novel... You know, Hammond was supporting cold weather digs across the entire world. Okay. So just because they found the dinosaur DNA through uh, the mosquitoes, they were also grinding up bones and extracting marrow, and they 
go into a lot of the things that he financed in order to be able to do that. Stands to reason they could have found evidence of these other plants and right. done that. So this question is, what did they tell this guy's family? I'm going to extrapolate this to, and it's this scene where the guy gets yanked into the cage. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of go and extrapolate that a little bit more. What the hell does InGen tell the people that never came back from the island or never came back from the mentions? What do you tell these people? Okay. Like, what do you so tell the families? Those people all had nine disclosure agreements because of the nature of the work that they were doing. The Jurassic Park novel actually opens up with a worker being taken to Costa Rica for an injury that they say was caused by a backhoe. He was mauled by a raptor. Okay. Uh, so they've obviously been covering this up to hide their little, you know, gigantic you know, history-making mm-hmm. thing. But the simple thing is that they were insured for it and they covered their... Sp- yeah, the lawyer is actually talking about when he goes to visit the site, um, he's talking about how much they have to deal with the lawyers and the family of the victim exactly. who died. Mm-hmm. There's so. a lawsuit pending and all that, so they're assuming they're probably brushing it off until they can have their launch and then they can settle, you know, in or out of court. Good point. So uh, along the lines of uh, lawsuits... Whose idea was it to put explosives next to the enclosure with the Velociraptors? Obviously, again, an idiot. <laughs> 18. Why are there Velociraptors next to the visitor center? <laughs> because their pen is segregated from everything else. And they're not actually next to the visitor center. They're kind of, you know, down the road and tucked away. <laughs> but it's in a different oh, area of the good. park than everything right. else. Yeah. All right, uh, question 19. Where the hell is the other half of this helicopter seatbelt? They show it that, that she's got it. She's got two. She ties it. I, I agree. It's she's, also, she's holding the other two. It's also a metaphor for how the dinosaurs are eventually going to solve their problem of not being able to breed because they're two female connectors that he's trying oh. to do, and he ends <laughs> up tying them together in an improv, which goes along with the life yeah. and find a way and the nice. leap. So, question 20. I also agree with this one. What are glasses of water doing on the dashboard of a car? Um, that was because that's how Steven Spielberg wanted to introduce the T-Rex. <laughs> I watched uh, the whole behind-the-scenes thing. It has nothing to do with the plot at all. It's nope. just the entire... It's the his introduction of the well, T-Rex. Well, I could see if it, you know, you're on a And you remember how he did it? Uh, was a guitar string underneath. Yep. Yeah, but he's, so, he's so smart. The, but the, the the way that it's not like it's on our dashboards. It's obviously like a shelf dashboard. So right. you know, again, you gotta gotta get like it's it's meant for people to be traveling with. That where else are they gonna set their Jurassic Park? Show? Why is the only thing left standing after the T Rex attacks Gennaro the toilet? Were there no sinks? <laughs> Yeah, or he knocked him the fuck over. <laughs> Seven-ton dinosaur. And why did they carry flares? Weren't they a bit too well prepared for the worst-case scenario? Uh, it's just part of an emergency. It's standard kit. car emergency yeah. kit, right? They did not need the night goggles. No, the no, night goggles really were kind of interesting. <laughs> why did the idea that the dinosaurs could change their sex occur to Alan Grant and not to the scientists who created them? Because plot holes. <laughs> <laughs> because plot holes. So what you're saying is there's going to be like a rogue dinosaur movie. That it goes wow. back and explains. I think not only that, they're so it's... concerned. They were so concerned with whether or not they could, they forgot to ask if they should. Right, and again, going back to the novel, Henry Wu has gone through literally hundreds of iterations of these dinosaurs right. before he gets the final output. So they're they're basically throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. Right. So okay, he's looking at amphibian DNA instead of specifically this West African frog, which is not, you know, exclusive. Clownfish change sex. Uh, plants can change sex. Uh, you know, marsupials have, can be hermaphroditic. They're, right. It's, it's not unprecedented in the natural world for that to happen. Right. It was just the most convenient way of how do we stretch 
reptilian avian things into this particular And not to mention, spontaneous changes like that happen in nature. Yes. Period. So even, I think that like this... This plot point is even gives you more more information right. because they could because they could have easily just as easily gone it happened yeah and in the again in the novel they said that they had originally you know bred males and females just as they naturally developed and they tried you know neutering and radiation right. with unknown physiology they couldn't predict what was going to work the best uh, but in the end of the novel Henry Wu was actually proud of the fact that his creations could reproduce because it was a huge um, validation of his work because normal hybrids can't reproduce. Right. So, question 24. How the hell does Alan Grant know that dinosaurs are warm-blooded simply by looking at them? Uh, The way they move. Reptiles and other cold-blooded things don't move unless it's absolutely necessary. You know, snakes stay coiled ready to attack because it's not worth their expenditure of energy. It's the reason why crocodiles move. Could, could, I, could I add to that? Sure. I believe because he actually believes from the beginning of the movie, especially the way you talk about the way that he, the way that he talks about the way that raptors hunt, I believe that, even though it's not said, from the beginning, that he believes that dinosaurs are descended from birds and not from reptiles. Sure, he's he's definitely on the on the warm-sided debate that was like a huge thing when it actually hit the scientific community. Right. And I think he's, he's just a little bit ahead of the curve on yeah, this. Yeah, and and there was a lot of people who, you know, fought against that, but he's obviously represented that viewpoint. So to see them up on a tropical island in the sunlight moving around like it's no big deal. Right. He just instantly draws he, the connection that they're not behaving <clears throat> like reptiles. I mean think about it. Like if, if you're a brachiosaurus and you're cold blooded rep in your cold blooded reptile, you you're be. not moving. You couldn't because right. there'd be no way that they could absorb Enough. reptiles are so low to the ground so they can absorb the heat from the earth. Right. When your head is thirty five feet above the ground, there's no way that you could right. absorb that much energy from the sun to be able to move. And question number 25, the most important question of the entire movie. This better be good. And most importantly, Phil, where the heck were you while the dinosaurs were busy eating people? As we can see at the credits, at the end of the movie, (laughs) Phil Tippett is a dinosaur supervisor, and he apparently did a shitty job. Where was Phil? Where was Phil, goddammit? That or he was directing them to eat the people. So the question is, what did those people know about Hillary Clinton? True story, bro. Truth. All right, Steve. So I, I kind of want to go through that. I think uh, I think I've come up with the name of this episode. Episode thing's gonna be Jurassic Dork. So, huh. not that you are one. Just think huh. of Jurassic Dorks huh. with an S. You're closer. Can you do the honors? <laughs> ah, get off my nips. So, you reached out to the community, I did. Steve, and I believe you had a good slew of topics we do uh, so we want to get our shout outs out of the way so thank you everybody for uh liking my uh status and all of that good stuff here so we want to give shout outs to adam from utjh uh our good friend from beta kappa kate hafey and our you know guest that we never had for the ultimate anime episode kevin lesman ah yes so uh, congratulations. I know you've had a house for a long time now, Kevin, but congratulations on that. I don't think we ever said so on the show. And your puppers. Yeah, that too. Uh, so we've got uh, those as far as shout-outs go, and then we have a whole lot of, let's just call them trolls. <laughs> uh, because obviously some people didn't think that we were going to take this seriously enough. So here Any publicity is good publicity. <laughs> yeah, it's true enough. 
All right, so Anti Nitro asks, are baby goats in pajamas videos the new cats on keyboards? Uh, don't know, don't care. Seconded. That's your co-host. I know. She's cute. She is cute. Fact. Jerry Brzezicki would like to know, magnets, question mark, how do they work? By the uh, fifth law of space and time called gravity. That still is, uh, or magnetism, sorry, not gravity, magnetism, my bad, that still isn't really worked out yet. Magnetism isn't yeah, something that uh, science really understands yeah, yet. On an atomic level, we really don't know. Uh, magnets in general work by north uh, repelling north and attracting south, and south repelling south and attracting north. They create little fields about themselves, which is why you try and push two like poles together and they repel each other. And why, if you offset them, the the effect is lessened because it moves in a circular effect, just like the globe. Yep. Um, most of the elements are electrified in some manner, which is why everything moves in a circle. But um, simply, we do not have enough information as a scientific community to tell you how they work the way they do. We just know they do, and we know their characteristics. Yep. Which is why a lot, if you look in time, if you look in space theories and things like that, and even on um, uh, the atomic level, there's a lot of theories and not a lot of laws because when you get into gravitational and, and magnetic forces, they don't know. Yeah, they just, they have ideas, and yeah, the ideas tend to follow the same pattern for the most part. It's something that you can't really study. <clears throat> so, so there's your answer. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy would also like to know why is he in Pennsylvania again? Because you're bad at your job and you had to go back there to fix what you fucked up. Womp, womp. I love you. Just kidding. Do we? <laughs> Jeremy Brzezicki would also like to know why didn't we warn him that Batman versus Superman was going to be bad? And um, the answer to that is we did. Absolutely. All the time. Not only did we warn you on the show... Not only did we warn you on the review, also your wife warned you according to her <clears throat> comment. Yes. And my question is, why did you waste time watching Batman vs. Superman instead of the new Evil Dead remake and or Captain America Winter Soldier? Yeah, what the fuck, Jeremy? Jerk. <laughs> uh, Emily Brzezicki goes on to comment that she would like to know what is the Dumbest thing Jeremy Brzezicki has done in his lifetime, aside from watching Batman vs. Superman. Oh, oh where did no, it begin? No, no. So I have three things right <laughs> off the bat. Oh, <laughs> off the top of God. my head. Fire away, Stephen Michael Barton. So, my favorite. This might not be the dumbest thing that he did, but he was fixing a plane and had a wrench in his hand and was pulling on something and bashed himself in the forehead with the wrench <laughs> and had a scar and stitches for weeks. Nice. Um, obviously, the time he broke his leg... Um, that was one of mine. Playing keep that away. Was, that was going to be one of mine. Which, not doing anything besides playing keep away, uh, mind you, in college. So not an old man. A young man. Indeed. And then... Uh, <laughs> Stephanie... Oh! I was I, gonna, I was gonna say Kristen, um, oof, but you know, um, <laughs> um, my favorite was when um, he tried to catch a football and said eight offense post. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
There's a lot of stupid Jeremy injuries. There are a lot of Jeremy there are. injuries. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with inviting Sigma Delta over to his parents' house without his parents knowing and expecting everybody to behave like adults at a college party and then subsequently turn his hot tub green. Womp womp. That happened. Hilarious. Uh, so, there you go, Jeremy. Your collective greatest hits. <laughs> oh. Lap dance for Miss Kitty. That also still. Right. Oh <laughs> yes! I don't know if that's dumb. That would be awesome. Oh. Yeah, being on the Jerry Springer show and being proud of being on the Jerry Springer show. <laughs> Is he though? Well, he was raised in Indiana. I would yeah, fair him. enough. Mm-hmm. That's like celebrity status, right? Hot night. True story, bro. Uh, What's next? All right. Uh, Emily goes on to say uh, the dumbest thing any of us have done. Or, you know, she later redacts that and says she feels that Jeremy needs to be picked on for some reason. <laughs> uh, so we move on to Adam from UTJH, who just did a uh, rapid-fire series of comments here. Okay, let's, let's, let's go back with rapid-fire answers. All right, so he wants to know how overrated is Beyonce, which is a topic I'm not going near. Claire? I commented on a podcast peeps board and no one responded back to me because someone had posted the article about like the Grammys being racist and I threw out there that it's more about radio play and sales. Adele had record sales. I'm pretty sure hers are higher than Beyonce's and I don't know about you, every goddamn radio station had a goddamn Adele song playing and they weren't that good. I'm totally agreeing that her shit is not that good. I'm not saying her Answer the question, how overrated is Beyonce? She's she's overrated. Is she... How overrated? (laughs) On a scale from zero to ten, how overrated? I'm not rating it, but I think she's overrated. You're a rated. Put it it on the Jared scale of one to four, how overrated is she? (laughs) C. No, I just think she... I think she is. I think... um, I'm not saying she doesn't turn out great stuff, but it's not getting played. Like, it's all about marketing for the Grammys, Adele and Grammys, because she marketed better. End of story. You know, congratulations, Beyonce, you've become an internet meme for everything. It, there's, like, what was the last time, like, can any of you name a song that she came Beyonce, out Beyonce, I, I, like, I think she looks really pretty. I like, I mean, I like Jay-Z. I, I have no issues with Beyonce, but Beyonce, I feel, is on that slippery slope right now. Yeah. Towards the towards the end of her career, which I just see her being a Mariah Carey at some point. No, she's no because Mariah Carey at least came out with something, and I, I know Beyonce had an album out this year, but I didn't hear it. Right, I, I didn't hear it. Right. I, I mean, aside from Lemonade, there was no play on anything. I didn't even hear Lemonade. But what I'm saying, like, but yeah. that was more video than audio. Right. So, but aside from that, it really didn't. Absolutely, no. I think like you would know if you would if someone didn't know she did music, like how is she any different than I hate to say it, but like <gasps> don't say it. Kim Kardashian, oh! Chrissy Teigen. At this point, so she, so, so what? Claire Sampson is saying is that Beyonce is as overrated as Kim Kardashian. At this point, she's famous for being Beyonce. She's not Ooh. famous for the great music she's churning out. Ooh. I know that I'm going to make so many people mad for this, but then you know what? It's okay. Like we're the three people that listen to the show, so, it's so okay. we're okay. <laughs> it's all good. What's the next one? Uh, well. Um, Adam would also like to know um, who is the coolest celebrity you've ever met. Obviously, Jody Benson, The Little Mermaid. Uh, go ahead, Steve. I, I got to think for a minute. Uh, mine would have to be uh, Jim Tomei, who I met on two non-consecutive occasions. That's cool. Nice. I've never met a celebrity. I've never really wanted to. Yes, you did. You met Zane Lamprey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was he a celebrity? I mean, he's, is he a celebrity? He's 
internet famous. That's like meeting a YouTube star. Uh, he had a sh- he has had multiple shows on All television right. Well, so if, if that's going to be my one, I love meeting Zan Lamprey. He was cool. Um, got to drink beer with him. You like, more than one picture with him. Yep. So, yeah, I... Yeah. So the most famous one I've ever met is Zane Lamprey. Y'all can look that up on the internet because you You're probably welcome. have no the, no idea who the fuck he is. Check um, out Three Sheets on YouTube. There you mm-hmm. go. All right. Uh, before we get back into the other things Adam put on there, uh, Luke would like to know, if the Bears played an inter-squad game, would they both lose? Obviously. Yeah, duh. Yes. Duh. Because Bears. Mm-hmm. Bears. Which, ooh, makes me... Brings me uh, to uh, a segue that I'm going to do here. So my brother coaches his son's Pee Wee basketball league, right? And we've even made fun of this. How old are these kids? Uh, Zach is nine. Okay. So so they're running around dribbling a basketball. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes running into each other. Yeah, a lot of times. Are the shoes tied? Yes. yes. (laughs) They're not always basketball shoes. (laughs) That's that episode that's always sunny. Um. So I've been going to uh, a couple of their games, which are on Saturdays. And the other day, you know, Ken's up there doing his, his coaching thing. He's wearing a Bears hat. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, what? I was like, what's with, the, what's with the Bears hat? He's like, it's my coaching hat. And I was like, it's football hat and it's Bears hat and you coach basketball. What's wrong with you? And his team calls themselves the Raptors. So he's like, oh, I don't have a Raptors hat. So I was like, hmm, we'll fix that. So five stores later, because who's going to have a Toronto Raptors hat in Chicago? Pro Jersey, that's who. Nice. So I find um, Lids had one as well. Both of them on clearance, which was hilarious. So I pick up these two Raptors hats. Oh, you got them both of them? Yeah. Oh, nice. Because I didn't know which design he'd like. What do you want? Would you please put some little bit of ice and some whiskey in there, please? I would appreciate it very much, honey. So I give them the hats on Saturday. And, you know, to preface this with my Curse of the Bears hat is they haven't won a game this whole, you know, these whole, like, Bears. seven games that they've played. <laughs> Bears! Right? So I give him the Raptors hat, and he puts the Bears hat in his gym bag. He's like, all right. He's like, Raptors hat, that's cool, man. Where'd you find this? And I was like, well, you know, I found it. That's all that matters. Right. So they go on to win in overtime. So I was like, yeah. Nice. Lucky hat. When like seven to nine? Uh, no, it was uh, sixteen to fifteen. Oh, nice! Okay. It's something. That's awesome, dude. Ah, nice. So I thought that was. Hilarious. That's awesome. Uh, speaking of basketball, one of the things that has brought a lot of joy to my life lately is that ever since the uh, beginning of the year, and actually right before the uh, holidays, we started playing basketball at work on lunch. So we're up to like pretty much getting almost every day. Almost every day, we have, we have five on five full court for an hour at lunch at the gym that's close to work that has broken up my day so much and made just like being able to run around and and work out while not running on a treadmill and not having to fit it into my after work schedule has made me so happy so i love basketball all workplaces should have recess i agree that's exactly what it is (laughs) it's so nice so nice sorry all right, so Adam's got two more things here, and they could uh, they could lead us down two very different paths. Okay. So I'm going to put these both out, and we'll see which way you want to go. Okay, his first one is Worst 90s Comic Crimes. So, like, the crimes of the comics and then, like, the worst things they did? I, I, I don't think he's talking storyline-wise. I think he's talking the industry. Okay, okay, I'm with you. Um, and then secondly is Who to Beat Whom in a Fight. 
So pretty open ended. I don't know if he is referring to like hosts or just any two characters. Or I would like to. Stuff. I would like to briefly talk about the 1990s thing first. Okay. Um, I have two points that kind of pop into my head, and I don't know if they're the worst crimes, but they're just the ones that pop into my head first. Okay. okay? And it's not true for the entire series. Okay. But the 2099 series. In Marvel. Oh, see, I like the twenty nine. Now, <clears throat> I enjoyed basically like Punisher, Doctor Do- Punisher, Doom, and Spider Man twenty ninety nine. Right off the bat, like I liked the first you know five comics of them or whatever, and then they kind of like for the most part for me kind of went bleh. Yeah. Okay. I loved the comic book art. I loved the idea. I loved the premise. I thought it was cool, but I think it was one of those things where like kind of like Claire said earlier, I think it was one of those they didn't ask if they should. You know, I think they had a cool idea, and you know then they did. That's a line from Jurassic Park. Yes, I do. That's why he said it. I know. But I don't think there was the writing behind it to drive all of those storylines. I like Spider Man twenty ninety nine got was solid pretty much for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think Doom died off. Doom was good, and then it took a hard dive. Mm-hmm. And Punisher. I thought it was cool for like episode. I mean, for for the first issue. Get out of my chair! Did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was cool for the first episode, and then Punisher 2099 was the most like eh, of them for me. Yeah, um, I think it ultimately suffered from uh, Ultimates syndrome, which yeah. is it started to threaten the main universe. So right. they were just like. Oh, all these great writers are working over here. Let's move them back to the main that, side. Yeah, yeah. And fuck this offshoot that we created, even though it's really well done. Uh, I enjoyed Ghost Rider 2099. Oh, I forgot about Ghost Rider. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. And, and Spider-Man 2099 was, yeah. was pretty cool. And then it was just like, well, we're going to kill this, so what should we do? Have Doom take over everything. And sure. Right? I mean... Okay. Um, to me... This might be comics in general, but I think the 90s were, were pretty prolific in it, is that as soon as you would change a writer, the writer would like just shit on everything that the previous writers had done. So it's like bringing back characters who had died. Right. Uh, you know, retconning stuff left and right. And I think, you know, your main, at least my main part of that was obviously with the Clone Saga, where it dragged on way too long, and they wrote themselves into a corner. Are we talking Spider-Man clones? Okay, I don't know if you're talking about the rise of the Superman, or if you're no, talking no, Spider-Man no. clones. Uh, I wasn't. Uh, I don't have a good uh, DC acumen. I, I haven't read much that, of it because yet. because the whole clone thing was going to be one of my beefs. Because, like I said, my Marvel side, like my my DC beef was going to be with that. So go ahead, and I'm just going to touch on mine in a minute. Go okay. ahead. So yeah, after. Um, you know, probably the the most memorable thing to happen during the whole Peter Parker Ben Riley Kane saga was that an amazing four hundred Aunt May passed away uh, after revealing that she had known Peter was Spider Man for how many years? Because how could you fucking not? Right, um, <laughs> because she's a human that has deductive reasoning. Yes, and you know, Lois Lane, I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> So, <clears throat> after that all fizzled out, and, you know, after all these twists and turns and whatnot, they finally bring Peter back into the fold as Spider-Man. They kill Ben Riley. Uh, they bring Norman Osborn back to life after how many decades? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, oh, Aunt May is still alive, and it was all a dream or something. I don't yeah. really remember. And it's just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like... 
at least acknowledge what came before you. And if it wasn't great, work around it. If you never mention it again, you never mention it again. But don't be like, gotcha! The thing that I really didn't like about the DC side of that, about like, you know, the clones and everything, is that, spoiler alert, if you don't know, whatever, is that some of the Supermen in the rise of the Superman after after uh, Clark Kent dies. Mm-hmm. Was that was that Steel and Superboy? Yeah, it was Steel, Cyborg, Superboy, Superman. the Cyborg, and um, the last Kryptonian. Okay. So those four, three of them were effectively clones. Okay. Um, in, a, in a literal sense or in a literary sense? Literal okay. sense. Superboy is a, was a literal clone, a younger clone. Right. I mean, a Cal L clone. Okay. okay. Yeah, the, that the Kryptonian was a, was a Cal L clone. Okay. Um, so, I'm sorry. No, he wasn't a clone. He was, no, he was just, he was another one of the Kryptonians doing something. He, he okay. I, don't, I don't remember that one specifically. So y'all can yell at me. I, I don't remember that one as well. Mm-hmm. The cyborg was a Cal L clone that they, that they cobbled together with the parts of a cyborg that they couldn't get the rest of the body to take for the most part. The only one that wasn't, that had his own actual storyline, was the Man of Steel. Was Steel. Which is what kind of reminded me of it because on the last hooking up, they were talking about like movies that didn't work out in Steel. You know, Shackles. Right. But I actually liked that character the best because it was an original character. Yeah, it is. Um, Superboy. From what I remember of the movie, it was at least a... A, a different it, concept of a superhero. It was a movie. shot. I mean, the, like, I don't think it did... I, mean, I don't feel like it did very well. It was a but kid's it comic book movie. Tried. It didn't take itself as seriously but as... But comic movies at the time didn't really understand um, what they were really doing yet. Yeah, but, also a relatively obscure character, too. So, so my main beef, if you look at both of the industries at the time, in the 90s, was clones. Yeah. But again, at the same time, that was a literal technology that was on the brink of actually happening. So sure. I understand the influence, and I'm not... Saying that's like, oh my god, they raped the whole genre, but like the whole clone thing was going to be my side of it on that part of it. Mm-hmm. But then again, if you're going to try and clone something, why not try and clone a god for the most part? I mean, I get it. Because why would you want more than one running around? <laughs> <laughs> it's bad enough that he could kill everybody if he just had a bad day. Now let's have another yep. one. Yep. Yep. So th- those are mine. And what was what was the other one that he brought up, Steve? Um, whom would beat whom in a fight? Did he give any examples? Nothing. Yeah, just literally the animal. Who would beat whom in a fight, and then he um, does an asterisk fist fight. Real quick side note. I wanted to bring this up because, again, of the last Who King Up episode, and I hope that David listens to this because I want to get his opinion on it because I may be wrong. But he says in it that he doesn't like Batfleck in uh, Batman as Ben Affleck as Batman because, because Bruce Wayne's not quippy. He doesn't. He doesn't retort. He doesn't. You know. He's not very off the cuff, quippy, right? Mm-hmm. And no person plays it that way. And and he's not. He's not. That's not how that character is. I understand where he's coming from, but my I want him to revisit Batman '89 and see and look back and see if Michael Keaton, who a lot of people feel is like one of, if not the best, Batman character. Look at that and look at that comment that you made in that light. So, so just that was a side note. Now we'll get back to the fight thing. Okay. Because from hooking up, I also he also brought up the old Mighty Morphin Power Rangers thing. Okay. And I I like the comic that he brought up. I kind of want to read that one now that he brought it up. But 
Who'd you who would you take in a fight? Voltron or the Megazord? And why? Which Megazord? Original Megazord. Uh US original Megazord. I don't know if there are any other Japanese priors, but you know, T Rex, Pterodactyl, Stegosaur. Um I would probably have to give that to Voltron. Okay. Why? Um I think individually the lions are more powerful than the individual zords. Like the zords weren't very well developed aside from the T Rex. Okay. So I think individually the lions could easily outmaneuver them because they can fly. Right. And when you have five things that can fly versus two tanks, a T Rex, uh, a pterodactyl. Okay, so three tanks, mm-hmm. the T-Rex and the Pterodactyl, all they have to do is hover around and pew-pew them to death. But okay, let's say that we're going to be stupid because why not attack the one most defensive place in the galaxy that has these robots? So if we're going to go <laughs> Zord on Zord, I still have to give it to Voltron because it has a bigger arsenal and I think the pilots work together better, honestly. Agreed. So that brings me to the second part of that question. What if you add in either or both of the Green Ranger and White Ranger with that, with their Zord? Okay, well, I don't want to get too geeky, but the White Ranger Zord isn't compatible with the originals. Oh, that's so right. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. If you're going to add the Dragon Zord on top of it, it just gives it a better ranged attack. So right. all you got to do is, you know, blazing sword in the okay. face. Okay, and yeah. now the team's in a fist fight. Uh, no swords, just just the, the two teams. No guns. Hmm. That I might have to give to the Power Rangers because I do think they are actually superhuman when they're morphed. I agree with you. Okay, I, I would get like I I think Zord wise and robot wise, I would give it to Voltron. I think teams on the ground, no no mechanical help. One. Even if you look at the uh, Voltron on Netflix, I like what they've done with the Paladins mm-hmm. on, on their weapons and everything. I think that's cool. But I just think that once you get into hand-to-hand combat... And I think the original premise of Voltron is they're explorers. They're, they're not, not fighters. Right. Uh, whereas <clears throat> all the Power Rangers at least knew hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, I mean, basically in the original, if you look at original at original, Voltron is a bunch of Han Solos running around, mm-hmm. and the other one is a bunch of like Ryus running around. So that that was that's one mind that I can yeah. think of that it, if you want to talk about you know yeah I don't know where apples. he was going with that but you know there you go all right next time be more specific and if you have comments on it please I want to hear it back on one of your guys shows because I think you might have an opinion on it I know David <laughs> well whether whether he whether he agrees or not I know he'll have an opinion on whether it. he's right or not he's not probably not unless he agrees with me then he's right mm. we'll table that. And David, if you are listening to this, please tell me exactly what uh, what issue of the Money More from Power Rangers comic book you're talking about that you're discussing on the last hooking up because I want to know because it sounds really good. So, and is there anything else on that? Uh, that's it as far as my thread was concerned. Um, cool. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for the uh, the content. I mean, you gave us about shit about a half an hour's worth of uh, yeah. of content for the show, and that's fucking awesome. I really appreciate it. Uh, we you we had both also do. put uh, you'd also put out on the podcast peeps. Board oh yeah, some question. Yeah. We get a thing from that. Uh, Rodney said Tom Brady is charging two grand per autograph. Entrepreneur or asshole? Entrepreneur, asshole. 
He's the greatest quarterback of all time. He can charge whatever people will pay. It's just like going to a sporting event. People bitch and moan about teams raising prices. The only reason they raise prices is because people will pay it. I cannot, I will never blame an entertainer for charging for things. Ever. For charging for his signature. To the you, fans that made him a star. I don't, I, I don't see the, the, if people will pay it, I don't see the problem with it. And if you want to buy his signature, not right now. Oh, I don't see a problem with it. I don't think it makes an him asshole. an asshole. I don't think it makes him an asshole. I think it does. Because fuck you. You make how much money to go fucking play a game for a living and then you're going to charge people on top of it for admiring you? Go fuck yourself. What if he's putting that money towards charity? He's not. If he was putting it towards charity, he would have a charity. He's just charging for an autograph. Tom Brady has a charity. I no. Tom Brady and Giselle have charity. Yes, no, they do. I'm pretty sure they don't. Uh, pretty sure they do. Well, in this context, it's just he's charging for an autograph. And an entrepreneur means it's a business aspect, not a so what? So what if he, I mean, so he charged $2,000 for an autograph. I mean, what, you think he's going to charge a kid two grand for an autograph? No fucking way. Even if he did, if that kid could afford it, why not pay it? Because it's, it's. To me, it's is just... Is that one of those, like, Steve Kaur things it's that's a, just it's, not... It's abusing your celebrity. Like, you would be fucking nothing if it weren't for the people who filled the seats in your seat. See, and I don't, I don't think that Tom Brady... I think Tom Brady makes so much money that he doesn't give a shit about two grand per signature. So I think so there's something... So charge it? Because I think it's... I, 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 don't, I have nothing to base this off of, and I want to look it up. I have, I have a feeling that it has something to do with a charity. Okay, well, in this context... Sure, if you just, just look if you just look at it in, in the plain light... In a vacuum? No. In a vacuum? Go fuck yourself. In a vacuum, get, your, get paid, bro. He's already getting paid. And David agrees with me, because the next comment is no debate needed, asshole. <laughs> well, good news. You and David Merkel agree. All right. All right, so Summer... Uh, Anti-Nitro, again, uh, joins into the fray here and says, Should Lego make more movies? Will we see more Lego comics, or will they branch out and do Lego Die Hard? Oh, <laughs> Steve, this is great. You brought this up earlier, and you had the perfect comment for it about like reboots and stuff. So Yeah, I, I think we should stop rebooting everything in a serious tone and let Lego handle all the reboots. So I agree. You want, you want a new Scarface? Lego Scarface. That's awesome. Like, I mean, David, think about how happy you would have been if they would have done Lego Ghostbusters instead of the Ghostbusters movie. Be yeah. awesome. You want a new King Kong? Lego King Kong. Which was awesome in uh, Lego Batman, by the way. Uh, spoiler alert. No, it's not a main plot point. It's not a spoiler. So, Seth Green voices it. So, uh, what, didn't some of the people on the board on the on the thing give yeah. their opinion? Ad- so, Adam, so Adam wants Lego Shining. <laughs> <laughs> Summer wants Lego Godfather. Mm. David Merkel wants Lego Showgirls. That would be weird because they'd have those like little one piece like like little dot things as their boobies. And then there's I'm assuming it's a gift from Showgirls. Ah, nice, nice. It is. And that is the end of the thread conversation. So aside what, from a lot of thumbs up. So what Lego movie would you make, Steve? Or would you would you uh, want to see being made? Hmm. Claire, do you have one? Mm, I like the Ghostbusters. That's I, I think that would work. I think Ghostbusters Legos would be awesome. I want I want Lego multiverse. Such yeah. as? Like I want fucking Ghostbusters to be fighting something and Marty McFly comes zooming by and you just see the tracks from the DeLorean and Then go see Lego Batman. <laughs> Cause the Lego Batman movie Don't wanna know is Shut up. so good. Shut up. Um Shut up. I would like to see a Lego Star Wars movie. I know it'll never happen because it's it's not I the mean, same. The, the games are basically. 
I know, but I just I, like I'm saying like an a, an original, not not a rehashing, retelling of <laughs> them, like Lego Rogue Two, something like that. I mean, th- that would be the Lego Boba Fett movie I would want. I mean, that would be the Boba Fett movie I would want to see. Why is Boba Fett such a big deal? I don't know. I don't. I, I don't never get understood it. the popularity. I, he of that he is a bit character in the series that says like eight words. Yeah. And does nothing aside. You fly into a ship and then get eaten. He's by a, a shitty bounty hunter. Yeah, he he is effectively the worst bounty hunter in the galaxy. If you look at the movies, yeah. I mean, his backpack's got jets and stuff, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, I understand you need to modify your Corvette, but at the same time, you can't modify your Corvette when you get eaten by a hole in the ground. <laughs> so true. I mean, even Poe Dameron survived that. <laughs> Come on. That's because he's an evil Empire clone. Oh, do you still think that? I absolutely think God, he's a traitor. God, I hope that's true, because that would be such an awesome twist. I mean, he is Apocalypse. That's true. He's got sand powers. That's how he got out! He's got sand powers! <laughs> nice. Steve, you got anything else for the episode? Uh, what's going on in Florida? I have nothing for Florida this week. Oh, okay. Nothing. Uh, well, I've been checking, too, and Florida has been remarkably quiet lately. I send you shit all the time. Y- yeah, but I don't have it, like, readily available uh, right now, and of the stuff I've been looking at lately, I've been checking FARC, I've been checking my normal sources, Florida has been remarkably quiet. Oh, that's good. They had a rough year. <laughs> uh, do you know what I looked at today? I actually checked out a Wall Street Journal article today that had, I'm sorry, an article on FARC that showed the, the succession if the president isn't around, and it showed the whole line of progression and who currently stands in those positions. So I know a lot of people have had an issue with Nancy DeVos, or DeVos being elected to the education secretary and being confirmed as the education secretary. Mm-hmm. Do you know how far away from president she is? Hopefully at least 10 seats. Claire, any idea how, how far Nancy DeVos is away from being president of the United States if, like, the, like Washington were to get nuked or something? I have no idea. Seven. But Kiefer Sutherland's the designated survivor, so yep. we're safe there. Okay. Because if you're going to have an interim president, let it be Jack Bauer. <laughs> story. I, did you watch uh, 24 redo, I reboot or whatever? Seen, I have not seen Legacy yet. God, I want to watch it, though. I do, too. Oh, uh, sounds good. It's on, it's on my... Um, I set it to record, but it premiered after the Super Bowl, so it didn't catch the time. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, because so, the first Super Bowl overtime ever. Yeah. While so, we were downstairs playing Rock Band. Yeah. So, um, I have it on, uh, on demand. I'm going to watch it, but I, I just haven't yet. Excellent. But I really, I liked the, um, they did like a half season, uh, you know, what is it, a year or two ago where it was him coming out of retirement to stop this one plot. And that yeah, was good. I yeah, that was cool. That. Yeah, I like um, that. So I, I, I know that this is a new total break with that old series and it goes back to its roots and the counter-terrorist unit and things like that. So I'm curious to see where it goes and hopefully they don't just name drop him or he's not this like shadowy figure. I think Jack Bauer kind of ran into the Goku thing where he kept overcoming everything to where you got to be like, he's he's either got to be like... After he died the third, after he was killed the third time, (laughs) it was like, are you kidding? It, to me, to me, the original 24 series ended at season four. Oh, what, what's his handler's name in that? What's her, uh, the, the, the girl in it? Chloe. Uh, Chloe. Hot or not? No. I don't find her attractive. She's too neurotic. Yeah. I agree. And, and, like, you know, it's great that she's smart and everything, but she's... Like, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a, a, a term of overrated nerd chick. 
Mm, I, I don't see I don't see any appeal from that. Right, so overrated nerd chick in my opinion. I don't even know what you guys are talking about. 24, you know, Chloe, the handler, oh, the girl. Yeah. His, his uh-huh. super computer hacker girl. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's overrated nerd chick for me because like there's a lot of yeah. a lot of people that are like I'm a rah, rah. played by what's her face. Yes, uh, Julia Dreyfus. Mm-hmm. Oh, is she a Dreyfus? I think so. I'm thinking of a different person. Then. Yeah, no, I'm talking about the chick that's on like at midnight and stuff. Yes, yeah, her. That's what I'm talking about. That's not her name. No, no, <laughs> no. Uh, Rico Aceworth. Yeah, Who, who's that? That was Michelle. Which one is Michelle? Uh, she was one of the... Uh, she ended up marrying Tony. She was also in uh, Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Okay. She's kind of like a f- serial fox actress. She was okay. just on something else. So she was in Mr. Brooks as the one of the lawyers. Okay. And she's done a couple of things here and there. All right, then. But she was uh, she was really cool in the third season when she was fucking shooting people for trying to leave up a hotel. Nice. Well, can't pull you won't shoot out. us. Yes, I will. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I guess that's uh, that's a wrap. We want to remind I mean, yeah, I mean, to... We're, uh, we're good. We're good. We're an over, over an hour into it, but just over an hour. So I don't think we need to spend much more time digging up other stuff, do you? All right. So we just want to remind everybody to uh, support all of our artistically gifted friends from the Disease Network, including Dork County featuring the art of Nick Prohl. Uh, SDK Artistry, the makeup stylings of Summer Cornfind. A.K.A. Anti-Nitro. Yes, indeed. Uh, the musical stylings of Chris Moran and David Bowling. They are not affiliated with each other. I just didn't want to say the musical stylings of twice. <laughs> but and you just did. did. Anyways. It's called a running joke. I do that sometimes. And I call him out on it every time. I yeah, agree the with whole this. twice times that it happened. Yep. All of them. Uh, please listen to all the shows on the Disease Network, including You're Gonna Get a Disease. Starring Luke, Nick, and Jonah. Vag Dialogues. Starring me and Anti-Nitro. Something Gate. Starring us. Um, that just happened. With Adam and Rodney. Hooking Up. Starring David Merkel. And all the wonderful one-offs that we have from time to time. And the new show, Man Woman Movie. Oh, yes, indeed. That's on the new yeah. network, uh, where a... Guy, it's it's a man and a it, it's a husband and a wife, and they each hate each other's style of movies, <laughs> and then they watch the movie, and it's a half an hour episode, and they they give their critiques and comments and everything on it, but each person gets to pick a movie, and they do it week by week, but it's a movie generally the other one hates. Ah, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, so uh, it's it's friends of Nick's from uh, from college, so it'll be fun to hear that. I haven't listened to the episode yet. Nick's going to be putting up the back episodes on the network and then bringing the new episodes on. So it's another person to bring into the Folden family that's a man-woman movie. So check that out. I'm going to check it out, too, when it hits the network. Sweet. So I'd like to uh, thank you all for listening, and we've got a solid set of topics for next week. I think we're going to start trying to get back into the weekly uh, recordings. I think I've got a handle on things when it comes to work and school, so we're going to keep trying to nail this out at least every week or every other week. Sweet. See, why don't you take us out, bud? Well, just a reminder that haters are going to hate, potatoes are going to potate, and if you have the opportunity, always bring a bomb arrow. This has been Something Gate. Good night, everybody.